Assalamu alaikum. Everybody's okay? Did it ever stop raining ever since we started this? No? Normal for you guys, huh? Alhamdulillah. Your dua, your dua, the chance of your dua being accepted is higher than the rest of the world. At this rate, mashallah, since when it's raining, your dua is accepted. طيب الحمد لله رب العالمين وصلى الله وسلم على نبينا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه ومن تبعهم بإحسان إلى يوم الدين وسلم تسليما كثيرا أما بعد. We praise Allah subhanahu wa taala abundantly the way He deserves to be praised. We ask Allah to exalt, dimension, grant peace, and send His blessings and salutations upon the Prophet Muhammad صلى الله عليه وآله وسلم. Before we begin the difficult part, which some of you may have been hoping it doesn't happen. And I would like to give you the good news that it will happen, inshallah. And we start that rough Q&A session. I figured we, uh, to make it easier for you to answer the questions, perhaps we could cover one more important aspect of the book that we didn't cover yet. Because what we have done thus far is uh, share, we've extracted from the book. The book is, the sharh is actually uh, huge. I believe the number of videos on the playlist is around a hundred something videos. It took us I don't know how many years to finish it. So for for us to encapsulate that in in you know few hours I don't know how many hours seven hours is is impossible. Tamam. Um, so we covered right now things pertaining to the names and attributes of Allah and how we uh, look into them. But the book covers other aspects. What other aspect does the book cover which you believe we have not touched upon yet? Or maybe we, we you know, in, in the course of the discussion, I wind up getting off track uh, and, and I addressed some points. But what do you think a core part of the book or the metin or the sharh has not been highlighted thoroughly? The what? The qadr? Mm. Okay. Uh, it could be better. The manhaj. Off the manhaj? On the manhaj, off the manhaj. Just saying the word manhaj on its own brings a lot of baggage with it. Uh, so let's not. Because <laughs> we've gone through a lot to be on the manhaj only to find ourselves off the manhaj. But that's another discussion. Yeah, Rajul. Ya Rajul you, you got Okay Zoom out Because you've zoomed in Everybody has zoomed in Way too much Zoom out The, the last day no, You need to zoom out More than everybody else Ya Rajul Yes no The, the manners Mashi No no The the companions? It's related to the companions. I'm surprised nobody's given me an answer. It's almost tomorrow. Yalla, ya Sheikh. Huh? The straight path of Sheikh Muhammad Timhambo. Iqtidah Sirat al Mustaqim that he's explaining. Are you, are you conflating two different. Uh, <laughs> yeah, well, of course, the whole book is about Sirat al Mustaqim. Aywa, ya Captain, aywa, min al awwal. The firaq, the, the deviant sects that we spoke about, that's what we believe. So why, why do we have deviant sects? And what do they believe? And why are we the middle path? Why are we the, 
the middle between two extremes. So the actual firaq or the groups or denominations or sects or whatever you want to call them, all these words are usually used interchangeably. They are abundant of them, many of them. How many in total? 72. Now, the scholars have a long discussion about how you arrive at the 72. Because, because when you look at the actual firaq that we know today, they're less than 72. But then within each firqa, you will find multiplicity of firaq. If I'm not mistaken, the local diobandis here are not exactly in line with the other diobandis. Wait, is, are we not live? Forgive me, guys. Maybe we're not live, that's why. Al-Muhim, how did I get here? Yeah, so the, the local the local Diobandis are not in line with other Diobandis. They, they'll be at each other's throats and differ on so on and so forth. So while, while we have, uh, and, and the Diobandis and others will fall under uh, uh, Aqidah, uh, strand, ideology, and from that, they will have their own names and their own beliefs and their own behavior and their own tenets and so on and so forth. So Ahl Sunnah wal Jama'ah, the real Ahl Sunnah wal Jama'ah, not the Mashi Halak one, you know, the one that they make down the street, they are always in the middle between all of these two extremes. All right? And we need to be aware of those two extremes lest one of us falls into them without being aware of that. So if we were to speak about the first denomination the first group to deviate from what we call mainstream islam that would be the khawarij oh the khawarij the good old khawarij good old i don't know if they're good old the bad old khawarij from day one until today the damage and the harm they have afflicted this ummah with is beyond what we can say in any language may Allah give them what they deserve does anybody know who the first Khariji was Dhul Khuwaisira ah, you changed his name Wallah, طيب ذو الخويسرة. We added Abdullah. It was not Abdullah. He said Ibn Khuwaisra in the beginning. ذو الخويسرة. What was his problem? Who knows the context? You know the context? طيب. عليه الصلاة والسلام. تمام. عليه الصلاة والسلام. I know. I know that you could. One is enough for one jalsa. If you really want to get the good deeds. Allah will send salah, salah upon you ten times and your reward and sins will be forgiven. Ya Rajul, it's free. It's free. It's actually not free. It's a lot of money. Just say Ali Salatu Salam every time. Every time. Ali Salatu Salam. Hello. So you gave us a, a summarized version. Obviously, there are a number of narrations that break down the story. But in, in a nutshell, uh, 
after one of the uh, conquests, after one of the uh, basically wars, there would be something called al uh, ghanima or war booty. Okay, and Allah's Messenger was the one uh, responsible for the distribution, and He will distribute according to what Allah inspired him and revealed to him. These are matters from that are connected with the revelation. A man by the name of Dhul Khuwaisira, upon the completion of the distribution, and this is it's a very important point to highlight because you will see the consistency of that trade in the Khawarij of today. They will they never changed. This this particular trait, they never changed. This man, in his perceived righteousness, in his self-perceived righteousness. He believed he was more righteous and more concerned and knew better and better guided than Allah's Messenger himself The one from whom he learned guidance in the first place. He, is, he accused the, the source of guidance to be unjust. He said, yeah Muhammad, and that's another violation. Huh? They, they have a problem, they will have a problem in any form of submission to authority. He doesn't even want to say, Ya Nabi Allah, Ya Rasul Allah, Ya Muhammad, I'dil, fa'innaka lam ta'dil. Be just, for verily you were not just in this distribution. This, besides the fact that this is tantamount to kufr, the Prophet said, Wayhaka, man ya'dil, in lam a'dil, in one of the riwayat, or kama qal. Woe to you, who will be just if, I'm if I am unjust? If I, the Messenger of Allah, am unjust, who do you think will be more just than I am? Umar ibn al-Khattab, for the man that he was known to be, immediately went for the, yani the, the exclusive solution. He said, Let me strike his neck. This, what is this human being? It's useless human being. But the Prophet ﷺ was far-sighted and he understood that an occasion of this nature will make the people say Muhammad is killing his companions and so on and so forth. It, that, and this is another important principle that a lot of people don't understand, which is when you want to forbid the evil, you have to make sure that you're not creating a bigger evil. And we, that's why we have principles, committing the lesser of two evils. You commit the lesser of two evils. Always, anytime you have a situation where there's a, a, a big evil and a lesser evil, and you have no choice but to commit an evil, you commit the lesser evil. You don't go for the bigger evil. Or also, that when you commit evil, when you forbid the evil, you're not creating in the process a greater evil, which is a lot of something a lot of people don't reflect on. They're driven by excitement by zeal by emotions they want to forbid the evil but in reality you created a bigger problem for yourself and for everybody else so to the point that ibn qayyim mentioned <coughs> excuse me that it is haram to forbid the evil if it will create a greater evil so how do you make that distinction because when you say that someone says what what are you saying, brother? Didn't the Prophet said, Whoever sees an evil among, among you, let him change it with his hand. If he cannot change it with his hand, you don't have the authority. You don't have the authority. You, you walk by, you see a church, 
You go in there, you see a statue, you say, Yalla, I'm going to break it. I'm going to break these statues. Technically speaking, you're allowed in Islam to break a statue. It's from the Sunnah actually, to level graves and to break any cross or to destroy any idols. But does that now, does that allow you to enter into a random church and take it upon yourself to destroy those uh, idols and statues? Absolutely not. You're not, you don't have the authority, you don't have the authority to do that. Therefore, you cannot forbid the evil with your hand. How about with your tongue? Can you go in there and say in the middle of the church, stop disbelieving in God. Stop worshipping Jesus. You know, worship Allah and run away. Okay, you don't run away. You stay put. Is that okay? Huh? Everybody's confused now. Not okay? Why not? Da'wah, akhi. It's causing more evil? How do you know? Yeah, I, that's not wise. That's not da'wah. Do you think the, the Christians can be like, Oh, thank you so much. We've been waiting for you all these years. Alright, let us make some changes now. Alright, they know. Turn the, the church into a masjid. Yani, come on. This requires some wisdom. And this is... But this is not allowed because this is you're not authorized and at this point it doesn't do any good. Alright. Then if you're unable to say any do anything about it, say anything about it, then you you do inkar al munkar with your heart. What does that mean? You you, you make your heart twist and then it will change the evil. You hate it in your heart. But that is that is the weakest point of Iman. The weakest point of Iman, it's a very important highlight. That would be the weakest point of Iman for the person who was able to do the first and the second and then didn't do anything. For the person who can, who can neither do the first nor the second, this is not the weakest point of Iman. This is actually the highest level of Iman because you enjoy forbidding that evil is going to create a bigger evil and you're following the guidance of Islam. So add that uh, uh, point of uh, benefit inshallah. A shahid that uh, this man accused Allah's Messenger Umar al-Khattab wanted to uh, finish him. Prophet told him, leave him. They will come from his loins. They will, peep, they will be people that will come from this man. Salatakum ila salatihim. You, he's telling to the Sahaba, the Sahaba, you will belittle your salah when compared to their salah. Right now you watch two people praying, you see one brother prays, you know, scratching the head the whole time, playing with his beard, looking around, you know, checking his watch. Some people check out the time in the middle of salah, supposedly because, you know, if he's late, he was just going to leave the salah. <laughs> at, at, at no point in life would you knowing the time in the middle of salah going to make any change. If you knew from the get-go there's a plane you're going to miss, yeah, combine the prayers and pray somewhere else. Can't be praying and checking out the time. Some older people, this is the normal for them, you know? Mm. Allah Musta'an. I'm not talking about those older people. I'm talking about older people elsewhere. A shahid. Uh, how did we get here? Huh, yes. So, and you see another brother praying, MashaAllah, Tabarakallah. You would think, yani, as they say, if a, if a bird w w was flying around, it would land on him because he doesn't even move. He doesn't even move. And the Sahaba were described like this. The Sahaba were described in their khushu' 
the, the birds would land on them when they're praying because there will be no movement. They will be standing in salah, you know, some of them will recite the whole Quran in a rak'ah, like Uthman radiallahu anhu, who was also not good enough for the khawarij. A shahid, um, yes, so you will belittle your salah compared to their salah. The sahaba, they will belittle the salah compared to those. So those khawarij salah was top notch. وصيامكم إلى صيامهم and you will belittle your fasting compared to theirs they fast maybe uh, uh, you know more frequently uh, they are more keen whatever but they will recite the Quran and they will recite the Quran but it will not go beyond the collarbone يعني it doesn't reach the heart they just use the Quran to cite evidence Allah says in the Quran قاتلوهم Allah says fight them خلاص the Khawarij will get an ayah which says fight them and they will say huh? Allah says in the Quran they get an ayah from Surah Tawbah or Surah Al-Anfal or Surah Al-Imran an ayah that has a context at the time of the Prophet which did allow fighting but not the open uh, full-fledged fighting until Yawm Al-Qiyamah a particular occasion they will get any ayah from the book of Allah which is in their favor and they will say here you go this is the Quran similarly they will go through the ayat that's why one of the traits of the khawarij is takfir sahib al-kabira if you commit a major sin to them you're outside of islam they say how can someone commit zina and be a muslim he knows it's haram he commits zina there's no way he's a muslim so the committer of a major sin also exits islam you eat riba you're not a muslim you kill someone you're not a muslim you commit zina any one of the kabair they take him outside the folds of Islam altogether. So this is an example of them reading the Quran and the Quran not registering with them. Versus the people of knowledge and the Sahaba who had the proper understanding of the Quran. So they will look, they will look into the ayat of the Quran in the light of the other ayat. The ayat explain each other. You have the ayat, for example, that speak about <coughs> killing an innocent soul. What does Allah say about them? That whoever kills, so Allah has cursed them and the anger of Allah is upon them and he prepared for them a severe punishment. If you read the ayah without understanding the principles of the Quran, you may assume that killing someone is, in, is uh, tantamount to disbelief. But you cannot look at this one ayah without reading the other ayat and without understanding the principles of Ahl Sunnah wal Jama'ah. That's why the, the virtue of knowledge and the importance of knowledge and the importance of the scholars, because these, these are sufaha. They are all feeble-minded and they're young. So when you leave a young person with something, they read through it all the time and they believe that they've arrived at the understanding when they really have not. So the importance of the scholars, because the young people, when they read without having in-depth understanding, then they might, they might arrive at the wrong understanding or the wrong conclusion. So the Prophet said that you will belittle your salah to their salah, your siyam to their siyam. <laughs> They will leave the Quran. It will not go beyond the collarbones. They will leave Islam like the arrow leaves the, the, the bow and it never comes back. This particular part of the hadith is one of the reasons why some of the scholars believe that the Khawarij have left Islam. But the majority of the scholars of Al-Sunnah Wal-Jama'ah, they don't take them take outside the folds of Islam based on the way the Sahaba dealt with them. Based on the way the Sahaba dealt with them. But that's, 
That's a very lengthy discussion. If you go through the book online on YouTube, you will see you will actually address those points. Tamam on on uh, One Way to Paradise. I, I didn't notice any additional subscriptions to One Way to Paradise since we started this daura. Um, you've subscribed from before? Yeah. Ah, I'm trying to believe you. There's a lot of people over here, man. I don't think all of you are subscribed. Some people don't even know who I am. So I, I don't think that, that would fly. Maybe some of you know. Some people don't know. Therefore, if you don't know, subscribe to One Way to Paradise. Okay? Please. Not that we make any money, alhamdulillah. No ads. No batik. No wajaras. We're not trying to make this into a business. Okay? It's, it's a channel there for free. You just, you know, get information with the usual uh, humor, if you consider this to be humor, so that you're able to digest the information without falling asleep. Uh, so the Khawarij then, so basically this man, Dhul Khuwaisira, had the audacity to believe that Allah's Messenger والسلام, was not just. And he was left. And indeed, like the Prophet والسلام, prophesied, from him came the Khawarij all the way that we see until today. Of course, these are the same Khawarij that were, that killed Allah knows how many of the Sahaba from the Khulafa al-Rashidin al going down. They, and, and not only did they kill them, they, they mistreated them, they humiliated them, they, they uh, verbally abused them, they spoke ill of them. Uh, they were not happy with them. They believed that they were all deviant. Very much like the Rawafid, like the Shia who also have the same kind of attitude towards the Sahaba, minus a few of them. They only have a few of them that they accept. And all the rest, Abu Huraira, Aisha, anha, uh, Abu Bakr, Umar, all, for them, all of these people are apostates who left Islam after the death of the Prophet and conspired against the Muslims. Yani the, the Christians don't believe that about their disciples. How can a Muslim believe that about the companions of the Prophet People that Allah said about in the Quran, radiallahu anhum wa an. Allah is pleased with them and they are pleased with them. The fact that Allah is pleased with them is enough. But Allah wants to show us how important they are that Allah is telling us that they are pleased with Allah. Whether or not they're pleased with Allah, does it matter? No, Allah being pleased with them is all that matters. But they're being honored to the point that Allah is even telling us that they are pleased with Him. And you, 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 this, this stamp, none of us has. I believe Sheikh Muhammad mentioned that yesterday. Inshallah, you strive your whole life. You'll be the best Muslim in the world. The best Muslim ever. You don't disobey Allah at all. You pray the nawafil and the, the fara'id and you do everything 100%. Never curse, never verbally abuse anyone, never backbite, never gossip, never look at haram, never listen to haram. And you live your whole life like this and we still cannot say that Allah speaks with you. Say, inshallah, bit tawfiq. Make dua that you qualify. Meanwhile, in spite of their shortcomings, Allah Azza wa Jal is pleased with them. So that shows you the importance of the Sahaba. The Khawarij were not happy. Now, the Khawarij of today, for the record, they're still on the same track that they never left. The only thing that changed is the person in charge. If Allah's Messenger was not good enough, let alone anybody else. The, the, the Prophet wasn't good enough. The Khulafa al-Rashidin were not good enough. The Sahaba were not good enough. By default, nobody today will be good enough. And you cannot expect, as we know from the kalam of the ulama, if we are in this state, then whoever is in charge is a reflection of our state. 
You're not going to have a bunch of uh, Muslims that are all over the place and then suddenly the most righteous man comes along and becomes a leader. It, it's just not, the, it doesn't work this way. The leader is usually a reflection, a reflection, a byproduct proportional to the condition of the Muslims. This is why the only time this, even Al-Mahdi will come when things are set right. When Isa ibn Maryam comes back and they fight Al-Masih al-Dajjal and khair and goodness and prosperity spreads, then Al-Mahdi will come. Because this is the sunnah of Allah in terms of the creation. That's why Umar ibn Abdul Aziz was considered an extension to the Khulafa even though he came after because that was, that was not the standard. Khalas, things were going degrading from the time of the Sahaba moving onward. So we can assume by default that today, today the leaders that we have in the Muslim world are not going to be by any stretch of imagination at the level of the Sahaba. And therefore being realistic, we should also deal with it accordingly. We should also be realistic. This false expectation of this guy is not good enough, let's remove him and bring someone else is absolutely insane because in the process of doing so, is it going to happen by you? Do you like make a phone call? Say, hey, uh, leader, I don't like you. Move. I'm bringing my uncle. And he's like, all right, I'm moving. I'm out. I left, I left the chair. Yalla, tell your uncle to come in. And then your uncle sits on the chair and he becomes the president of the country. Or is there like war and fighting and the in, in war, in fighting within the country, the army against I don't know who, against the people who, you know, RPGs and bazookas and Uzis. And you, you turn it into a, a video game. The streets of the Muslims become a video game. You say, are you, are you people serious? Muslims die like it's mosquitoes and flies. They tell you it's a collateral damage. No problem. Ya Rajul, the one Muslim in the side of Allah is more important than the Kaaba. The Kaaba, if it were to be demolished uh, uh, stone by stone, is lighter in the sight of Allah than spilling the blood of one Muslim. Now they tell you, for the sake of the land and for the sake of the Madri Ish, let all these people die. When the Arab Spring happened, one of those Mashayikh of Fitna said, what is it, one million Syrians will die? One million? Khalas, we'll put one million as a down payment so we could get the, uh, the victory. Which victory are you talking about? Until now the Syrians are suffering damages that we can't even speak about. They go to countries nobody wants them. And they get mistreated in these various countries. They can't live in their own home. Some of them lost everything they had. And they're trying to copy paste the same thing in all the other Arab world. In all the other wor uh, parts of the Muslim world. Not, not only the Arab world, even outside. When we're like this, we will remain weak. And we will remain divided. And then the, the rest of the world is basically just eating from our khair. They colonize us. They come in, take all the goods, all the stuff, all the oil, all Madri Ish. Yalla ruh, ajlis, nam. We got it under control. While we're sitting there, you know, talking about khilafah. You want suddenly to be a khilafah to come. Nobody is, is in a masjid for fajr. In the average masjid in the, in the Muslim world. Two, two rows, three rows. Right? Three rows. For Dhuhr, maybe more, maybe less, depending if they have work or not. Then comes Ramadan. And you have people coming from, from clouds. Coming down on parachutes. Like brand new Muslims that we've never seen in our whole life. That live down the street. The masjid suddenly said, we need to expand. They build the tent. They put two tents outside, three tents outside. Where did these people come from? 
Are they coming from another masjid that shut down? No, the other masjid has three tents as well. So we were there all along. And Ramadan's like, oh yeah, wait, I'm a Muslim. Alhamdulillah. Allah, go to the masjid. This is the condition of the Ummah. What, what Khilafah are you talking about? What changes? What, being realistic is, is pretty smart nowadays. Not that we don't desire that, but we cannot be foolish like the Khawarij were. And they've tried. Their methods are tried and tested. Wallahi, they failed every single time. Not once did they succeed. No group of people ever went against the ruler except that they failed. Except that the harm that they brought upon the Muslims was greater than the one that they got. And then it became a cycle. So they revolt, they get rid of someone. What's going to happen? Another group of people who don't like him say, all right, if this is working, then we're going to do the same. So they revolt against him again and they remove him. And you should remain in the cycle of, you know, plug and play. Bring someone, remove him, get another one, remove him. And usually the one that comes after is not exactly better than the one before. While the Muslims are dying and they are getting, you know, humiliated and we just post it online for the people and begging them to free us. You know, that's really that. Help! Help! You, the, the, the disbelievers are going to help you. Which world are you living in? We're crying out to the world. Really, you think the world was waiting for us to scream, free this country or free that country? They don't care. There's a bigger agenda. So if you really want solutions, we need to stay away from the khawarij and their mentality. That's really the solution. Don't be a person of khariji ideology or mentality because wallahi, it is destructive to you and to your family and to the Muslim Ummah. This could be lectures, but we don't want to go off track. So we're done with the Khawarij, the first group. Who's next? Who's the next group to deviate from mainstream Islam? Hi. Rafida? No, actually, is it which is the more correct term, Rafida or Shia? Why? We're not we're not denying Rafida as accurate, but which is which is a more befitting term, Rafida or Shia? Rafida. Why Rafida though? Because they rejected. That's it. Huh? Ah. Can we say, you want to say? Mm. All correct. The reason why the term Rafida is more accurate and befitting than Shia is because they don't, they call themselves Shia. You understand? And the term Shia is not necessarily a negative term. The term Shia in and of itself is actually used in the Quran. And it's used in the Quran in a positive, praiseworthy context. Does anyone know the ayah? Hey. This is in Surah Al-Safat. Allahu A'lam. min shi'atihi the Shia of Nuh and from the Shia of Nuh is Ibrahim here Shia does not mean the Shia that you're thinking of even though if you live long enough inshallah don't be surprised when you meet a Shia he will say look we're mentioned in the Quran the Quran praises and says that you have to be a Shia because it says that Ibrahim was from the Shia of Nuh 
They, this is how they deal with the Quran, by the way. That's why according to the Shia, you could have uh, how many women? Nine. Nine wives. Some of them believe you can have nine wives. Do you know why? They go to the ayah that says, فَنْكِحُ مَا طَابَ لَكُمْ مِنَ النِّسَاءِ مَثْنَى وَثُلَاثَ وَرُبَعَ But they do an addition. So marry whatever pleasing to you of women, two plus three plus four. And then they say, Prophet ﷺ had how many wives? Nine. Yeah, let's go. Yeah, yeah. The, the, the religion is a, is a comedy show. The, that religion is an absolute comedy show. Yani, if they come across ayat that have nothing to do with anything and they say this ayat is, which one in Surah Al, Surah Al Rahman? Uh, in the beginning of Surah Al Rahman. Maraj al yaltaqiyan. They say this is uh, Ali and Fatima. The two seas meeting. <laughs> what is this tafsir? Where did you get this tafsir? Khalas. This is from uh, their Maulana also. They have their own Maulana. Some Imama guy with an Imama from here to Chinatown. He's been rapping it for three days. Still didn't finish. Khalas, once you put it on, the, the Mashiach, all the ilm just comes from everywhere and goes right into your head. Then they issue fatawa ala tul. They have videos of them. Someone, someone invented an ayah, which is haram. Allah yahdi. It's haram. Wallahi, he invented an ayah that doesn't exist. And he told him, do the tafsir of the ayah. And the sheikh gave it all he has. He's, and he told him at the end, he says, not even in the book of Allah. Cut him off. Because <laughs> it was a live show. And this, this, is the, this is what you're dealing with. How did we get to the Shia? Al-Muhammad But that's not the second group though. The scholars say there's another group that came before them. La. La. Qadariya. Hey, Al-Qadariya. What happened between Al-Qadariya and Ibn Umar? He said, tell them I have nothing to do with them. I have nothing to do with them until they believe in Qadar. What do the Qadariya believe? Why are they called Qadariya from the word? Qadar. What is Qadar? How do we translate Qadar to English? Because they use multiple terms. Free will? Predestiny. That's one, one, one English word. Another one? Decree. Divine decree? Mm. Specific. Irada. Ya Rajul. Shakshuka wala mushakshuka. Ish ismathani hadi. Arika. Wala kushari. Does anybody know anything about kushari? You guys have kushari here in, 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 uh, in Bradford? Kushari is a very Egyptian, uh, is a very famous Egyptian dish. I have my own analysis of it. Okay? It was a bunch of leftovers that someone had in the fridge. Wallahi, if you look at this dish, it has almost everything that you have in your kitchen. Uh, onions, garbanzo beans, or known as chickpeas, uh, rice, pasta, uh, and like another five items. They put them all, to, like it's all carb carbohydrates basically, all the carbs in the world. They put them all in a dish and a bunch of spices on top of them, and then you eat it, and then you make sure that there's a bathroom nearby. 
unless you're an original Egyptian and this is part of your diet or your, your digestive system is, is, uh, is used to it. Otherwise, if you're trying it for the first time, don't do so when traveling. There will be dire consequences. But I be, it's, it's one of those, you know, mixture of a bunch of things that don't fit together. They just put them in one dish and they, so your answers more or less is, is a little bit of a kushari. So we said preordainment or decree or destiny. Tamam? Tayyip. So what do they believe about it? What do they believe about uh, Al-Qadariya? Uh, what do they believe about Qadar? I'm sorry. They don't even believe in Qadar. He said he, they don't even believe in Qadar. <laughs> what does that mean? Yani? So what does that entail? Tamam. You say they don't believe in Qadar. What does that entail? We have a free will and has nothing to do with the decree of Allah. That's one of the wildest things you will ever hear. They, no, not you, because of you. That's, that's what they believe. They believe that Allah, some of them of course, they believe that Allah knows, He gets to know about the action after you do it. Meaning Allah did not decree, right now you're sitting in a masjid. Tamam? You're all here in a masjid. There are two belief systems out there, more than two, but if you want to give it main, the main two, one belief, the Qadariyah, that say that Allah did not decree for you to come to this masjid. Allah gave you the free will and with your free will you came and your free will is independent of Allah's will. Your free will is 100% under your control. Upon your arrival, upon your arrival, Allah knew that you came to the masjid. So this is nafi al-ilm, al-mutlaq. It's, it's de denying the ultimate knowledge that we know that Allah Azza has. While we believe Allah Azza wa decreed for you to come to the masjid and then you came to the masjid. So when you say this, that opens the door for who? The Jabariya, their, their nephews who opposed them and they said Jabariya means Allah decreed for you to come to the masjid. You had absolutely no choice but to come to the masjid. You're nothing but a robot. You're a remote control human being. You were remotely uh, obliged to come to the masjid. And how do we respond to that? How do we answer this from Islam? Alex? Balance. Oh, I was about to say, man. <laughs> Who's Alex? What is, what is balance here, Sheikh? That's a very, very generic answer. I, I know balance between the two. Give me, elaborate. Be a little generous with me. Ah, see, that's tricky. It's tricky for you to articulate it. It's a little tricky. That's why I want you to do it. Tfaddal. Ah, So the first thing is let us cite something from the book of Allah. Tamam? To reinforce our position as opposed to just saying things on our own. This ayah does, this ayah which appears multiple times in the Quran with different wordings, actually establishes the answer. It affirms the Mashiach, but it makes our Mashiach dependent upon the Mashiach of Allah. وَمَا تَشَاءُونَ إِلَّا أَنْ يَشَاءَ اللَّهِ Which means you have a Mashiach. What's another ayah which could be used to prove that you have a Mashiach? That you have the free will and therefore you're not Jabariyah. The ayah which will use to prove that you're not being forced to do what you're doing. It's something that Allah allowed you to choose. Uh, what's the beginning of the ayah? 
And what surah is this? Surah Al-Kahf. What does it say in the beginning? وَقُولِ الْحَقُّ مِنْ رَبِّكُمْ Say this is the truth from your Lord. Listen to this now. فَمَنْ شَاءَ فَلْيُؤْمِنْ وَمَنْ شَاءَ فَلْيَكْفُرْ So whosoever wills may believe and whosoever wills may disbelieve. Zakallahu khairan. Whoa! My time is getting shrunk. Yes. This is regarding you forcing Islam upon other people. Meaning Islam doesn't want hypocrites. That's, that's one of the evidence we use that Islam was not spread by the sword per se. Because Islam is not looking for more hypocrites. So yeah, become Muslim or I'm going to chop your neck. And you're like, uh, okay. La ilaha illallah. And you're like, hey, job done. Then this guy, doesn't want, this guy just said this to protect himself from death. So, لا إكراه في الدين قد تبين رزق من الغي. Wait, how did we get here? So, just go and take it back, cause I only have two minutes. Um, so the the Jabariya, we answer them by saying Allah explicitly said, whoever wills may believe, whoever way may whoever wills may disbelieve. So Allah Azza wa Jalla left the will to us. And you, when you come to the masjid, do you feel anyone dry, driving you out of your house, dragging you out of your house, forcing you to come? Yeah, you willingly came. The fact that you willingly came here does not mean that Allah did not know and that Allah did not decree it. So, but the, because qadariya, the, the term of the, the concept of qadar may be confusing to others, it may confuse some people if you think about it too much. That's the, the safest way to deal with it is to always remember that what Allah decreed is something that you know or you don't know. Zakallah khair. Do you know or you don't know what Allah decreed? So, what do you do? Mind your business. Don't sit there and think about it because even if you thought about it, you're not going to get anywhere. We're going to go back to the original discussion. Allah decreed all these things. You don't know. Why are you, why are you wasting your energy thinking about something that you will never get an answer for? Khalas, live life knowing that Allah Azza wa Jal gave you the free will. So anytime you see something good that you can do, you engage in. Anytime you see something that is evil, you stay away, stay away from it to the best of your ability. Type. So we will take, uh, uh, Sheikh, how long is the break? 10 minutes, 10 minutes. So it is right now f oh, 5.10. So at 5.20 sharp, inshallah ta'ala we will resume. Zakum khairan.